Now, all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming close to Jesus in order to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes, they grumbled, saying, This guy, this guy welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them a parable. Who among you, having a hundred sheep and losing one, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go in search of the one? And when he has found it, he places it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he gets home, he calls his friends and his, his family and says, Come, rejoice with me. For I found the sheep that I lost. Just so, there is joy in heaven over one sinner that repents more than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. Or what woman, having 10 silver coins, um, losing one, does not light a lamp? and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls her her friends and her neighbors and says, Rejoice with me, for I've found the coin that I lost. Just so, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, our family, um, my children are now both in school, and so with the um, dawning of the new school year, I thought that today's sermon should be brought to us by the letter R. Brought to us by the letter R. And the first word that reminds us of the letter R is reputation. Today's gospel, today's parables, are all set off because of the Pharisees and scribes' concern for reputation. They see Jesus eating and welcoming the wrong kinds of people. Tax collectors who are those who betray their own people to serve Rome, the occupying force, and also sinners, that undefined category of people who act and look and see the world differently than them, who don't live in the moralistic, holistic, holistic uh, lives that the Pharisees do. And the Pharisees saw that any interaction with them was a reflection of their own character and a reflection of their relationship with God. And so when they see Jesus interacting and eating with them, and then Jesus coming to eat with the Pharisees themselves, they're concerned. They're concerned that maybe their relationship and their reputation with God is on the line. 
and this self-centered focus, this desire for a good reputation in the world and before God leads the Pharisees and the scribes to resentment. I think we all know what that means. I think we live in a world that is held captive by resentment. A world where we grumble against one another. Where we look at one another and say, you owe me something. Where love is not the center, but self, your your own self is at the center. Consider all the places we grumble and we resent in our lives. Our children, when they don't act the way we want them to, we grumble. I taught you, I raised you to be better than this, to be different than this. I thought I taught you how to listen, to respect. We grumble because we think it's a reflection on us. We grumble against our spouses. You owe me something. Rather than the love that bears, endures, and hopes all things that we hear on our wedding day, we have resentment that says all things are owed to me, that I should be at the center. Why am I not the focus of your life? And so we grumble. And when there's sin and brokenness, the other has to make it up fivefold before there's any offer of forgiveness. We could go on. We grumble against our coworkers and our teachers, against our friends. We grumble against our community, our nation, and those around the world. And particularly, we grumble against those who are in the weakest, the poorest, and the most impoverished places, saying that they owe us something, that they're not good enough because they might be a reflection of us. And when we do that, when we grumble in all these different places, when we have this resentment welling up within us, we resent Jesus' very self. We grumble against the message of radical grace that demands nothing and gives everything. A grace, a love that is being spread around by the Spirit with reckless abandonment. We think, well, if God does that, God might lose some of it. Then what? There wouldn't be enough for me, this good and upright person with a great reputation. Last week, we heard Jesus' message about the cost of discipleship, that those who want to follow Jesus must die to themselves, must give up their lives, bear the cross, and follow him. Against this, too, we grumble. And when we grumble against God, when we find resentment welling up within our lives, we find ourselves lost. We find ourselves like that sheep gone off on its own, separated from the herd, the flock, separated from the shepherd, separated and it's on its own, separated from where God desires us to be. But thanks be to God, there's the next word, reverse. 
the good shepherd, the one who comes to save, becomes the Lamb of God. The good shepherd becomes the one, the Lamb who is driven away from the flock by hatred, that's driven away from our communities by resentment, is driven to the place of the cross, to the place of the skull, driven to death itself. so that we would be found. Because that one who is lost on the cross, he's found with an empty tomb, with the resurrection. The one who was thought to be lost, the one who was dead and gone, the one who had gone to hell itself, has been returned to us, to find us. And with his resurrection, we find that we have been found, that we have been claimed, that we have been made God's own. And there's nothing in this world that will ever change that. We have been restored. And God seeks us out to restore us with a relentless love, a love that never ceases, that will not end, that does not place himself at the center, but places our relationship there. We have over here as our banner today the beginning of the 23rd Psalm, The Lord is my shepherd. This psalm, uh, which we all know so well, it ends like this. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I love this. This is one of my favorite verses in Scripture, and I've told you this before. When the psalmist says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, what he's saying is that surely God's grace and God's relentless love shall pursue me. Pursuing like a hunter after something will not stop ceasing. God, can you imagine being pursued with God's relentless and ceaseless love? Wherever you are, wherever you find yourself, God is coming after you to restore you, to bring you back to wholeness, to bring you back to the community, to bring you back into the embrace of our loving God. And when we are found, when we've been restored, we find that our lives are transformed and we can repent. Now, repentance, repentance has gotten a bad rap. Repentance, we often think, is about feeling guilty or feeling shame and feeling terrible about ourselves. But I think repentance is about transformation. It's about being turned around. It's about being given a new life, a new eyes, a new way to see the world. That's what repentance is. That's what transformation is. It's seeing the world in a whole new way, in a way that you can't go back to the way life used to be. I can't have this, be in the same relationships or I can't live in these relationships anymore where I'm at the center. No longer, but I can live where love is at the center. I have to see the world. I see the injustice and the brokenness in the world. Instead of resigning myself to it, I can say I'm going to lift up my voice for the sake of the other and proclaim a word of grace. That's what repentance does. It leads us from resentment to being resent. Being resent out into the world, out to the lost, with the echoes of the divine proclamation the divine declaration that you are loved, that you are God's. Come to the table. 
come and be fed. This is the proclamation we make every week as we gather around these waters of baptism. It's the promises we heard for dear Brielle this morning, that she is a child of God, sealed by the Holy Spirit, and marked with the cross of Christ forever. She will never be lost. She will always be in God's embrace. It's the words that we console one another with in funerals, in our dying breaths, that you are God's child. God, receive this one into your tender care. We are being resent. We are being resent to proclaim this love again and again in every aspect of our lives, not just here on Sunday mornings, but in our workplaces and in our marriages, in our relationships with our children, in our schools, in our country, and in our communities. We are being resent to bear good news, a word of justice, a word of peace, a word of restoration and reconciliation with our world. This sent life, it is not resentful, but it's filled with love. It is a love, it is a life that celebrates, that's died to itself just as Christ has and lives for the sake of the other. It is a life that embodies the very life of Christ, the Lamb of God. It is a life that shows forth the love of God. And sometimes that means we have to leave behind, for a time, that what is precious to us, like the 99, so that there might be restoration. And sometimes it means we have to devote ourselves to it, picking, ourselves, picking up those lamps and sweeping the floor and searching relentlessly until that coin is found. But God promises that we will find what we're looking for. And that when we do, we will rejoice. That's what all of heaven and earth and all of creation is, is, is designed for, is to rejoice. And, and that's just not being happy. That's about a life that is rooted in the grace of God. A life that is totally embodied by the joy and the love of our Creator. That, in, that shows it forth. That's what creation is meant for. That's what the angels are doing. That's what our loved ones in heaven are doing even now. They are rejoicing because they see the world as one great restoration and reconciliation of those who have been lost. You cannot rejoice alone. To rejoice means to have joy with other people. And that's why we gather here on Sunday morning is to rejoice and to hear God's message again. It's why our lives are meant to be transformed so that we might rejoice with all who are poor and powerless, the lost and the lonely. It's why we come to the table side by side with the sinners and the tax collectors who are sitting next to us. Walking up this aisle, dipping our hands in this font and receiving the body and blood of the Lamb of God who comes to feed, who comes to eat, even with us. So come this morning remembering that you have been found, that you have been claimed, that you have been loved by the Good Shepherd, the Lamb of God. And as you do, don't forget to rejoice. Thanks be to God.